Good morning, Jesse. Good morning. How are you? Well, you know, I'm going to just be perfectly honest. The morning has not gone anywhere according to plan, uh, but we've been doing, I think, okay to improvise, demonstrating God's grace uh, in all things. So it's it's great to have you on because you're going to help, I'm sure, uh, provide us with some some great insight as you always do this morning. But what direction were you planning to head this morning with, with John? Sure. Well, you know, we uh, plan on talking about preparing for Lent and especially what the liturgy dictates um, and, and, and helps us to understand about the season of Lent as we approach uh, Ash Wednesday in a couple of days. Yes. And uh, liturgy is one of the things that you is sort of a specialty or a, a wealth of knowledge for you. And, and uh, so talk about a little bit of, you know, Ash Wednesday and, and how that sort of sets the stage for uh, the 40 days and, and culminates on, uh, well, it culminates on Easter weekend, but then the, the liturgical season uh, continues after that in, in a new way. Absolutely. So, I mean, we'll take your example of imperf- an imperfect morning, right? Um, you know, we, we think of our, our liturgies, especially on Sundays, as these, you know, magnificent uh, uh you know, experiences with lots of music and, and all of this. And during Lent, we pair back, actually. It's not that, you know, robust uh, liturgy. So, like, we'll, we'll pull back on the Gloria, for example. So we don't do the Gloria anymore uh, during Lent. And we will pull back from, from the word Alleluia in the liturgy. So we won't be as joyous or celebrating. And so we actually sit for, you know, the 40 days in that feeling of imperfection and uncompleteness and and only uh, is completed fully in the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ. And our sanctuaries are even um, stripped down, right? The, 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 you know, flowers in the sanctuary, everything should be kind of uh, stripped down to uh, only the bare essentials, right? Yes, And and it's progressive, too. As you get deeper into... Lent and you get closer to the triduum, um, then you'll start to see, you know, maybe uh, purple cloths over our statues and things like that. And I've been told, you know, it's a type of fasting for the eyes, even, you know, so that when we can uh, celebrate Easter, uh, the vigil and, and Easter Sundays, we there are, even our, our church can be refulgent and celebratory of this, this uh, redemption through Christ. Well, tell me again, or, or help me and the listeners understand, when it comes to uh, the, the covering of the statues, and, uh, you know, I, I know there's sometimes some debate or discussion around uh, the holy water being removed. When is the, when is the holy water to be removed from the, uh, the, the fonts that, that are inside the doors of many churches? Uh, talk about some of those practices, why they're significant, and when is the proper time uh, to do that? Well, the holy water is removed from the the, end, the entrance, beginning of Lent, and then, um, and then of course, during the Easter Vigil, it's completely removed from the baptismal font because we have new new water, new life, new, a new Paschal King, and even the Paschal candle is blessed itself. And and for the statues, um, you know, there is uh, some different understanding from different people when you, when you do that or why you would do that or if if to do it at all. Um, but the church uh, does provide recommendations and things like that. And so, you know, right before uh, the, the week before Holy Week, we start to then um, veil our statues and things that would be appropriate. And, of course, 
there's a way to do that, uh, you know, that is simple and yet beautiful at the same time. Talk to and, and of course, you, of course, we strip the altar, uh, you know, during Holy Week as well. That's and, right. And we don't even have we don't even have a mass on Holy Saturday because Christ is in the tomb. Mm. Uh, yes, the uh, I, I think one of the I know one of the most one of the moving parts uh, of, for me, it, it, you know, spiritually is is following that uh, Holy Thursday liturgy, liturgy the, the the stripping of the altar, um, is is something that for me is very very moving. Uh, the talk to us a little bit though uh, also about feasting during the the season of Lent because that can be a little bit tricky for some people. Is it, we're going to encounter some feasts during the uh, during this time. Sure. I mean, inevitably, uh, I don't believe it's going to happen this year, but it did happen a couple of years ago. Something like the Feast of St. Patrick fell on a Friday, and so cities were asking for dispensation, uh, you know, from the um, <clears throat> abstaining from meat, you know, and things like that. So um, the beautiful thing about our church is this thing called progressive solemnity, and so it allows us to really know the highs and lows uh, both of, of life, but then also uh, you know, liturgy as well. So you can have a very simple, basic liturgy like you might have on a, a ferial day or a regular non-feast day in the church during a weekday, you know, and, and you won't do the Gloria or you only do one reading. And so it's a very simple, more quiet liturgy all the way up into, you know, a major solemnity, uh, you know, where there's a lot of, you know, more music, more readings, the, you know, the everything is specific to that feast day, even the collect and and things like that, and, pr- and Eucharistic prayer. So um, the, the Church gives us this so that we can really understand the breadth of life. You know, if you had uh, a, an amazing steak dinner every night, eventually you'd get tired of steak, <laughs> you know? And I'm so, willing to put that to the test. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, I'm down for that challenge. So that would be like maybe for, uh, you know, following the 40 days of Lent, the, the, the 50 days of, of, of Easter leading to Pentecost. Maybe, maybe that's what I'll do. I'm going to put mm-hmm. down a steak challenge and see what, uh, see if I really can grow weary of it. That's, uh, well, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what. What you could do is you could do a, a small sample size, which would be the octave of Easter, in which every single day is a solemnity yeah. in the church's liturgy, and so you could do steak every night for eight days, and and if you can hack it for eight days, maybe you can continue. Ah, uh, I, I, <laughs> things that one uh, one more thing I wasn't planning on this morning the, uh, the the revelation to eat steak for eight straight days. Uh, I'll see if I can get uh, get the rest of the family on board with that. The, so I think for, again from a reversion of faith perspective, one of the things that opened uh, my eyes, my wife's eyes, was understanding the liturgy. I know you have great resources for that. Mm-hmm. How would you direct, particularly maybe those who are coming into the church and still learning understand, you know, learning and understanding uh, the, the liturgy uh, and how it, uh, you know, is, is laid out and enhances our, our, our spiritual life? Sure. Where, can, where, where would you direct people? Sure. You know, I have a, a scriptural um, uh, a book, and that is The Lamb's Supper by Scott Hahn, which is really good, and it lays out the scriptural references in the liturgy for those who have an approach in that way. Uh, the other way, more of a practical way, uh, is going to be a book by Chris Carson's called The Devotional Journey to the Mass, and it kind of lays out everything from, you know, how to enter a church. You know, the church actually gives precedence and pride of place for the official entrance of a church. And now, you, you and I know this, you know, sometimes 
the churches will have to, as they grow or develop or change or evolve or whatever, you know, the parking lot may be put on the side of the church, and so now the side entrance of the church becomes the, the, the way that most people enter. But the church actually gives this precedence for entering in the archway of the official entrance of the church. There's a special, you know, um, even minor indulgence for something like that. So the, Chris Carson's book, A Devotional Journey to the Mass, is an amazing way to just start to understand some of those very tiny little things that will add up to understanding ultimately your, your active participation in the Mass, which is what is demanded above all else. And I know you have some resources as well. Where can people find your work? Well, you can always go to, uh, you know, the Liturgical Institute is something that I used to work at and doesn't exist anymore, but there's a number of short courses on there. Mm-hmm. If you go to usml.edu, there's short courses on liturgy that are still available for people to purchase. And there's some really amazing resources there, including some other classes, uh, short courses by Chris Carson's and a number of other uh, Liturgical Institute graduates. He's Jesse Weiler, a great friend of the show. We always are so thankful that you take time and, and share your wisdom with us. Uh, have a great start to your Lent, and we'll talk to you again soon, Jesse. All right. God bless. God bless you.